0: Welcome to the Money is Emotional Podcast with Christine Lukin, the Financial Dignity Coach. In this podcast, we help you recover a positive and peaceful relationship with your personal finances. We do this by bringing together wise money management with emotional intelligence join us for this journey where we navigate our relationship with money as christine lucan draws from years of experience and guest experts to help you get to the root of your money issues
1: hello and welcome to money is emotional with your host christine lucan For the listener, this is the very first podcast. My name is Eric. I am Christine's producer, co-host, sidekick, whatever you want to call me. It doesn't really matter. Christine is the host of the show. She's amazing. I'm going to read a little bit of her bio just so you can get to know her. Um, It's pretty awesome. And then we're going to just bring Christine in for the show. So ready for money to support your happiness rather than stress you out? Then you need Christine Lucan, financial dignity coach in your corner. As the founder of the financial dignity movement christine has coached hundreds of high-earning professionals business owners and divorcing women to pay off staggering amounts of debt and massively increase their net worth the author of several books including money is emotional and financial dignity after divorce christine blends wise money management with emotional intelligence when she is not coaching clients from her home office in cincinnati you can find this member of the National Association of Divorce Professionals curled up with a good book, a fluffy cat, and a strong cup of coffee, which her and I have that in common. Love coffee. Introducing our host and star of the Money is Emotional show, Christine Lucan. Christine, how are you?
2: I am doing amazing, how are you? I'm so excited. This is gonna be so
1: much fun. Yeah, this journey, thank you so much for allowing me to be a small part of this. This is just, this is gonna be so much fun. Uh, and, and I can tell the audience that with, with sure confidence because the the title of this first episode is I Let My Heart Hijack My Wallet, which we're going to get into. Where did that title come from? Why did you choose that for the title for the very first podcast?
2: Uh, well, it actually is the subtitle of my book, Money is Emotional. And it's it's really the encapsulation of my journey on how I crashed and burned financially, Mm -hmm. despite having an accounting degree
1: in Ah. my 20s. (laughs) You were a numbers person, and the numbers still didn't add up.
2: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, it wasn't, obviously, because I didn't know what I should be doing with my money. I had an accounting degree. I understood how budgets worked. Mm -hmm. But I literally did allow my heart to hijack my wallet. I was engaged to a guy. We had been together for seven years and it was not a healthy relationship. And a lot of that dysfunction played out in our finances. He was in and out of jobs, even in and out of jail. Mm. I thought if I just loved him enough that he would change, and he did. He got worse. So,
1: <laughs> not the not the change you are looking for.
2: No, it was not. Oh, um, I am a loyal person at heart, and I am someone who gives second and third and fourth chances to people. Unfortunately, I found myself at age twenty six in a not so great place, mm-hmm. both financially, emotionally, relationally. I was in debt. Uh, My ex, I call him Jeff, just in case uh, he ever finds this podcast. If I used his real name, he'd probably sue me for money.
1: (laughs) Hefe, got it. His name is (laughs) Hefe.
2: Yeah, so so we call him Jeff, which is not his real name. That's right. He didn't have any credit. So everything... Mm. Everything was in my name. I saw where that was going. Yeah. He had two DUIs, so his car was in my name, and it was in his insurance was in my name. Mm. The apartment was in my name. I was stuck in this spot of being responsible for the entire financial mess, and I didn't have any money to leave. Wow. I mean, my bank account was negative.
0: Yeah.
2: If if I wanted to just walk away, I couldn't. My car payment was behind. I, it was it was a disaster. And on top of that, I think there was an even higher level of shame and embarrassment because I was someone who should have known better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, even up to this point of you know being an accountant, I had only been working full time as an accountant at this point, probably for, you know, two or three years after I graduated from college. But even before then I worked, I worked for banks, you know, I, I was always working around numbers. And so of all people, I should have known better. And it was really hard for me to admit that this was a mess that I couldn't clean up by myself and that I needed help. And I probably let it go on a little bit longer than I should have because of the shame and the embarrassment.
1: Yeah. It, the thing is, anybody from looking from the outside that sees, you know, just the quote unquote facts, the accounting degree you've worked at banks, their first instinct would be to say. Well, you should have known better. I mean, you know how the world works. You know how this stuff works. But they don't take into account the heart. They don't take into account the emotion involved and all the things you were dealing with on a personal basis. I mean, maybe the closest friends or closest family members knew what was going on. But still, I'm sure they figured you probably have it all together in a way. So I can see that shame and embarrassment. How do you reach out? How did you reach out to find that help or to to get yourself out of that situation.
2: Well, I I actually remember the moment mm. that I admitted I needed help and, you know, my dad had taken me out for lunch. Um and we were we were sitting in in his car after lunch and he just looked at me and he said, "You just don't seem like you're happy." And that was when I finally admitted. I was like, yeah. "I'm not." <laughs> And uh, he's like, well, do you need, do you need some help? And I was like, oh yes, thank you. (laughs) Now, my dad did not lend me money. He didn't, he didn't bail me out. He didn't pay off my debt. But what he did do is he said, I will give you a safe place to stay Mm -hmm. rent free for 90 days. I will sit down. I will help you make a plan to get you back out on your feet, you know, so that you, you're you starting from this safe and, and stable place. And I was so desperate to leave the situation, I think I would have pretty much agreed to anything mm-hmm. at that point. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'll take a tent in the yard, Dad. I, you know, <laughs> whatever. Wow. Wow. That's, well, kudos to Dad.
2: Yes. Well, and I think the other... The other thing that he did really well, which it's a point that I, I I tell parents of, you know, teenagers and young adults, he didn't say, I told you so, mm. and he didn't make me feel bad.
1: Yeah.
2: He could tell I, I already felt bad enough, um, because I think if he would have said, I told you so... How many times have I told you that guy was a jerk? He was mm-hmm. no good for you. That would have just made me defensive. Yeah. 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 So that was, he really handled it, handled it well, um, which allowed me to make the plan to move forward. And it wasn't, it was a process. I mean, it was a process of logistically Untangling finances. Mm-hmm. No, we weren't married. Thank God. Oh, good, Although yeah. sometimes <laughs> yeah. I had a wedding dress hanging in the closet. I mean, it was, we had a deposit down on the hall, wedding dress in the closet. I had to give the engagement ring back because his mom had co signed for the ring. It, oh, man. Well, it, you want to know how bad it was? I actually made one of my ring payments because it was past due. <laughs>
1: You never want to see the repo guy coming after the ring that's on your finger.
2: <laughs> no. No, no, no. I was I was more worried about my vehicle than I was about, yeah. the, about the ring being repo. <laughs> yeah. But my ex's mom was a little crazy, so I really did not want what? her on my on my bad side. <laughs> yeah.
1: did, what? Jeff's mom was crazy? No. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Uh, but I think the, the main point is, even though I had all the head knowledge, I still needed help. Mm-hmm. And not just getting out of that relationship and helping to facilitate that untangling, both, you know, logistically and financially, but when I looked at my finances, it was just overwhelming for yeah. me. When I looked at my financial mess, it was almost like if you walked into your house after a tornado has struck, you open up the front door. Everything is a disaster. Yeah. I was just so overwhelmed. I felt like I wanted to slam the door and walk away. And what my dad did for me was he did the equivalent of saying, okay, let's not look at your whole financial house right now. Do you see this closet? Let's just clean and organize this closet. Like, ignore every other room in the house. Let's just do the entryway closet. Mm. And so that's what he did for me with my finances. He had me gather everything up. He was able to look at it from a logical perspective because he was not emotionally attached to my money mess. Because every single bill... And every single number, for me, had a story behind it. Mm -hmm. And there was an emotional trigger behind a lot of those bills. So, for example, when I saw the Dillard's bill, that one pissed me off. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. Because the first bill that I got after I left, there was a charge on there for my valentine's day present that jeff had put on my card
1: oh he's a winner
2: (laughs) now i was gonna get stuck paying for it so every time i saw that bill i just i just saw red i was just pissed off about it now to my dad That wasn't the case. It was just like, oh, this is a bill in the pile of bills and, Mm -hmm. you know, here's how much you owe Visa. Here's how much you owe the debt consolidation company. Here's how much you owe Dillard's. And he was able to focus my attention and say, look, all I want you to do for the next week is these two things. Like, don't worry about everything else. And then we'll meet again next week. And that's really what I needed was someone who wasn't emotionally attached to my mess to just give me those baby steps. Because when you try to look at everything all at once, especially when everything's a mess, it's so overwhelming that you don't want to do anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then nothing gets better. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. You get frozen. Right. And, and again, more shout out to your dad as a father of a daughter, the fact that he was able to compartmentalize the financial mm-hmm. stuff and work through that with you while all the same probably gritting his teeth about Hefe about Jeff, right? <laughs> and not dealing with that part of it and just saying, okay, let's get this part of your, you know, like you said, let's start with the closet. Let's start with this. So he started in a place that made more sense to you because of all the emotion, I assume, because of all the emotion wrapped up in the human interaction. And yes. just breaking it down to numbers – That's awesome. That is, that is fantastic.
2: Yes. Yeah. And that was exactly what I needed at that point was to someone, someone to help me get organized and to just help give me those, those first steps. Yeah. As you can imagine, not having a grown man child to support (laughs) (laughs) my finances got better pretty rapidly. Once yeah. I was out on my own, I did have a bit of a hole to dig myself out of. But when I look back and I think, you know, the dollar amount really wasn't overwhelming. As I look back on it, it was probably about $5,000 in credit card debt. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was over, that was 22 years ago. And back then it seemed like an enormous amount, but I remember driving to work one day about a year after I had left the relationship, and the thought struck me that I wasn't worried about money, Mm. and that was a total shock because the whole seven years that we were together, money anxiety never left. It was always there. Now, sometimes it was really high, sometimes it was a little lower, but it never left, ever. And I don't think I realized how much stress that I was under until it was gone. Mm. Because I distinctly remember laying in bed, trying to balance my bank account and say, okay, My check's coming in tomorrow. Hopefully, that check I wrote two days ago hasn't cleared Mm -hmm. yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I still got to pay this and I still got to pay that. Is there enough money left over for groceries? Dear God, I hope so.
0: Excuse me. Yes, you. Thank you so much for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.christinelukin.com and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes.
2: I mean, no wonder I was stressed out, right? Yeah,
1: seriously. And you, you said 26. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's we're dealing with too many things in our 20s. Not to have <laughs> yes. this on there, too, right? I mean that's that's wow, I mean obviously that this was the catalyst for you right i mean this this is where you made that decision to do what you do now, I'm assuming
2: yeah, when that thought struck me that I wasn't worried about money, the thought that followed immediately after was, "I bet there's a lot of people out there." who are experiencing the exact same thing that Mm. I used to experience, but they don't even realize that there's a better way to do this. Yeah. And that's when I resolved that I was going to help people. I was going to help people with their finances, you know, however I could. I was going to help them relieve their money stress. And I didn't have to wait long for an opportunity to do that. Um, Shortly after that, the church that I was going to brought in a personal finance course. And the church accountant reached out to me and she said, Hey, Christine, I know you went through the Mm (laughs) ringer with this stuff. And I would love if you could help me facilitate this, this course, because I feel like people can relate to you. You can tell your story. Nice. And you you know what they're going through, and you also know what they can do to get to the other side. So I never intended this to be a career. For me, this was just my volunteer work. This mm-hmm. was just my way of giving back. God had gotten me through this tough situation, and this was... This was just something I wanted to do to help other people. And it just started to build on itself. Uh, I ended up facilitating that, that course for 10 years at my church as a wow. volunteer. And probably about halfway through that, I found out that I could be certified as a financial counselor. And even when I got the certification, it wasn't because I thought, oh, I should be doing this as a career. Because by that time, I was working as the vice president for um, of accounting for my family's business. I was making almost six figures. I didn't need another job. Mm-hmm. But I was already counseling people on their finances. And I just thought, you know what? This training is going to be really good for me because I'm sure I'm going to learn things that's going to help me to help other people. And I want to make sure I'm doing this right. I'm, I'm sure I don't. I don't know everything about this. This is going to help me to help other people.
1: Yeah.
2: And then, when the recession hit, mm. it hit my family's business uh, pretty hard. So this was, you know, 2009, 2010.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it really started me thinking, because I met my husband Nick working at the family business. I jokingly say that I highly condone dating in the workplace because it works so well for me. <laughs> well, one of the things that attracted me to my husband was that he was really good with money. Uh, being on the ownership team of the company, um, I was also in charge of all the HR. So I knew that Nick had a clean background check. I knew he had a great credit score. That's
1: how you start the relationship, right there. It was (laughs) like, oh,
2: you're maxing out your 401k? That's so (laughs) hot.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
2: Uh, But, you know, both my husband and I were working at the family business, and I could tell, you know, things were not going well at the family business just because of the general economy. And that was – That was a little scary. And so we talked about, you know, what are, what are some ways that we can diversify our income because right now all of our income eggs are in one basket. And I thought, well, you know, I really like this financial coaching. Maybe I should start doing this on the side, start doing this as a part-time gig. And so that's what I did. I started my company and I started coaching people after work and on the weekends. Thankfully, the family business recovered as the economy Mm -hmm. recovered and is still doing awesome um, even now. But getting that taste of people will pay me (laughs) for my advice Mm -hmm. and the results that I was seeing when people were paying me for the coaching was actually even more than when I was just doing it as a volunteer, because they were invested in themselves. Yeah. They were invested in the process. They had something on the line. They were accountable, and they were much more likely to follow through with what I was telling them, because they were paying me Mm -hmm. to give them advice. So the more that I did this, I just started to get that feeling that this is what i'm supposed to be doing i really started to fall in love with seeing the transformation in the people that i was coaching i had people come to me and say christine i don't think we would be married if Mm -hmm. if we had not started working with you i'd have calls where someone would say Hey, Christine, you're the first person that I called to tell this, but we just paid off all our credit card debt. And that, that feeling of, oh my God, like this is going to change their lives. I became addicted to that. And then I just knew doing the books for a manufacturing company for the rest of my life was not going to give me that feeling. Yeah. And it was hard. I mean, it was hard to to tell my dad, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing. I kind of felt like I was abandoning my brother and some of the other people at the family business. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, my brother's like, run free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, go, run free. Um, you know, and I think I think my dad at first was a little sad, but I know now that he's very proud. Mm-hmm. Um and I also told him it was kind of his fault exactly. because I got that entrepreneurial spirit from him because he owns several businesses. So he kind of should have seen that coming, I think. Yeah. I mean, here's the,
1: <laughs> here's the thing that there, you know as well as I do, that there's an emotional anchor tied to this, right? Mm-hmm. Every time that you find somebody and you see a client have success, it brings you right back to the success that you started to feel when you dug yourself out. Yes. And that is your dad's fault. So we, yes. we can blame him. Absolutely. Because he absolutely. helps you find that success. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> We can blame him and give him all the credit. Absolutely.
1: That's what dads are for, I think.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And so I really just fell in love with helping people transition out of that money stress and into that lasting financial dignity. Yeah. And so, you know, it was 20... 28, no, let's see, it was 2012. It's been 10 years since I've been doing this Mm full-time. And it just seems like the blink of an eye. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, my coaching practice has evolved a bit over the years as far as what kind of clients I work with, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that's never changed is the emotional thread that goes through everything. Every book that I write, every course that I teach, every coaching session. We're not just talking about the practical financial things that people need to do. We're talking about how do we mitigate those negative emotions Mm -hmm. that might be keeping us stuck in something unproductive How do we harness those positive emotions so we can supercharge our motivation? And just in general, how do we increase our emotional intelligence around money so that we can make better decisions that we're not just happy with now, but we're also happy with later?
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I've been there. Obviously, you, you shared your story. I think most listeners... Have been there in one way or another. You're on a hamster wheel and and you're just continually spinning and you don't know a way off of it. First of all, because you feel like you have to keep running and running and running until you stop. And guess what? Then the wheel stops for a moment. And in that Mm -hmm. moment, if you have somebody that can reach out a hand, which is exactly what you're doing, and help you off the hamster wheel so you don't just keep spinning in circles... That's the moment that I think you crave in what you do. And 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 we're wrapping this podcast up. And as we do, I, I really want you to kind of share with the audience, some of the programs, books, things that you're doing that they're going to learn more about in future podcasts. Give them a little, little preview here, but yeah, I get it. I get why you do what you do. And I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. So excited yes. for you to share more with the audience and, and really reach people where they're at in that moment and show them a different way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. well, if people want to know, like, all the juicy details of my story and the money lessons that that I learned um, from my very numerous mistakes, grab a copy of my book, Money is Emotional.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at moneyisemotional.com. Um, I always tell people this is the least boring money book you are ever going to read because it's half tabloid of my life as I crashed and burned financially. And it's also part how to, what are the action items that you need to take to start walking on this path towards financial dignity?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to wrap this up. And I, I know that even after this, just the first podcast, there are some folks going, you know, I, I would really like to reach out and have a conversation, have a chat because I'm in a situation that I don't know how to get out of, or my kids are in a situation that they're not sure how to get out of. And as a parent, and I can tell you this for sure, our children don't always listen to us. Right. When advice comes from someone else, it's like, oh, they're geniuses. But I've been saying that for four years. (laughs) So
2: absolutely. Yeah.
1: So maybe there's a parent out there that says I would love for my my child to get some some help. Um, How do they get a hold of you? How do they reach out to you personally?
2: Yeah, Uh, they can hop over to my website, which is my name, ChristineLukin.com, or they can drop me an email. Hello at ChristineLukin.com. And I, I will say, My book, Money is Emotional, is for all ages. I have parents who read this book with their kids as young as 12 years old. I have had people in their 70s and 80s read it and tell me that they got good juicy tidbits out of it. Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: love it. Christine, again, thank you so much uh, for everything that you're doing. Thank you for uh, letting me be on this journey with you. We're going to have so much fun, and I know that the audience is going to gain so much value from the stories that you share and the the tips and tricks and, and all the things that you work with your clients on.
2: Awesome. I'm excited for the next episode.
1: Me too. And our last thank you will always go to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Money is Emotional podcast with Christine Lucan. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, which I know you haven't because this is the very first one, please click that subscribe now button below. This way when Christine comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. And we know there's a lot of people that need to hear this information because nobody wants to be on that hamster wheel. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Money is Emotional, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money is Emotional podcast. To get in touch, visit our website at www.christinelukin.com or drop us a line at hello at And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Christine Aikin. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your advisor, tax professional, or other qualified financial professional with any questions you may have regarding your personal finances.